This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. The Lord is good, and His love and His mercy endure forever. Amen. So, tonight I have a, a very, a very special message for us. Uh, and if you're taking notes, you can jot down this title. The title uh, tonight is called Play Stupid Games, Win Stupid Prizes. Yeah, uh, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. And if you'll give me a few minutes, we'll hopefully make sense of this all. Um, but there's actually a video on in a second I'm going to have the guys play that hopefully illustrates the, the, the concept of what I was trying to say. In this video, it's, uh, it's been around for a few years, but there's, there's two little boys, probably about the age of my boys, six, seven months, and then the other one's two or three, and they're sitting there playing, and the older boy keeps sticking his finger in his little brother's mouth. And his little brother uh, has got a couple of brand new chompers that he still is learning how to use. He hasn't quite learned... Uh, bite control yet uh and so his older brother keeps playing the stupid game of seeing if he can stick his finger in his brother's mouth and so i want us to just uh to watch this video real quick and see see how that turns out for him (laughs) charlie charlie bit me And so you see, sometimes uh, if you make stupid decisions, if you make uh, play stupid games, you are uh, awarded with stupid prizes. Yes, congratulations. Uh, <laughs> and as I was, uh, this is a message I've kind of taught before, um, which uh, I don't get to preach as often as my brother and stuff. So uh, I a lot of times recycle my messages and try to, to make them fresh and also maybe a little bit of laziness. Plus, I, I spend all my time grooming my beard and stuff, so i just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. I, sorry. I get up here and I say stupid things. That's probably why they don't let me preach very often. Uh, no, but uh, I was getting this message ready, and then I noticed that uh, that it lined up a lot with what Mrs. Pastor was talk, uh, taught us on Wednesday night about what would you sell the blessing for. And it's kind of, kind of along those same lines. So... Uh, Let's go ahead and flip over to Romans chapter 8 real quick if we can. Romans chapter 8. I like that. Yeah. 
You know, and my wife telling me to put this stool up here was actually a fabulous idea. Because usually when I preach, I have my water jug, and I put it on the floor, and then like every three minutes, I'm over here doing one of these numbers, and then I get home and, and my wife gets on to me. So, yes, thank you. Thank you, Julie, for the for the, the stool. She went up and got it herself even, so. Saved me from stooping over. Anyways, Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, and then we'll look at verse 1, and this is one of the most powerful uh, promises that we have in the entire Bible. And it says right here, it says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. That means that when we belong to Christ Jesus, we don't have condemnation anymore. We're not, uh, we get our word uh, damnation from this word condemnation. You know, we don't have to live under condemnation once we belong to Christ Jesus. This is a promise from God. But it's not something that comes automatically. And this is where I think that a lot of Christians sometimes get confused. Something we need to realize is that even if we're Christians, if we continue to make stupid choices, we will still have to face the consequences for our stupid choices. A lot of people... uh, get confused and they think, you know, as, that as Christians, all we have to do is, you know, one Sunday morning we finally decide to turn over our lives to God and we just, we go up, you know, or whatever, we stay in our seats and we say the, that one-time prayer to accept Jesus and then we're set for life. We just, you know, I said the prayer, I'm good to go. Let's go, let's go to town, let's party. <laughs> um, but there's a whole lot more to it than that. Uh, in fact, if we read Jesus' words, he never even told us that we're supposed to lead people through this one-time prayer and leave them, leave them be. Uh, let's, I want us to, uh, you know, since we're a Christian church, we're supposed to follow the words of Jesus. Let's flip over to Matthew 28, and let's see what Jesus actually told us we're supposed to do. You know, and it's, a, it's good to lead people in, the, in a prayer, because it says, uh, you know, that if we confess with our mouths and believe with our hearts that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. But it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. Let's see in Matthew 28 what Jesus actually told us we're supposed to be doing as Christians. And if you want, you can flip down to verse 19. And this is, uh, this is known as the Great Commission. This is some of the last things Jesus told us to do before he went back up into heaven, like Pastor Dave was talking, and he's up in heaven now sitting at the right hand of Jesus, but he gave some instructions before he went. And in verse 19, he said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And in this verse, Jesus, he didn't tell us to lead people in a one-time prayer and then say, you know, you're good to go. You're all set. You said the prayer. You never have to worry about anything ever again. What did Jesus actually tell us to do here? Jesus said that we need to go and make disciples. A disciple is someone who has some disciplines in their life. It's someone who, uh, you know, follows the teachings of the one, of the one that they learn from. And this is, I think, where many Christians get confused. You know, once you've said that prayer, it doesn't mean that you're set, that you that you never have to worry about anything again, that you never have to feel feel guilty about anything again. 
It's actually not only incorrect to think that way, but it can also be quite dangerous to think that way. Um, in, in, the, in the medical community, there actually uh, is a group of people who never feel guilty about anything. They never feel guilty about anything. And a lot of times I think that us Christians, well, you don't have to feel guilty about anything ever again. Does anybody know what the medical community calls someone who never feels guilty about anything? What's that, Julie? A psychopath. <laughs> People who never feel guilty about anything ever are known as psychopaths. <laughs> and Jesus did not tell us to go out and make psychopaths. He told us to go out and make disciples. Uh, just for the fun of it, I looked up uh, just to see what a psychopath really says. And there's a Dr. L. Michael Tompkins. He's a psychologist at Sacramento County Mental Health Treatment Center. And he said, A psychopath simply does not have a conscience. They will steal from you without feeling even a twinge of guilt. So it is true that when we become Christians, we're no longer under condemnation. But if we do stupid stuff, there's something wrong with you if you don't feel wrong about it. In fact, feeling guilty when you do something wrong is an essential part of your Christian, uh, of a Christian, you know, living that life outside of condemnation. And so the first step in this process I want to talk about tonight for how we can live free of condemnation is that we need to feel godly sorrow. Let's, uh, let's flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. <laughs> and this will show just what I'm talking about. As a Christian, if you do something wrong, you should feel sorry for it. Why, thank you. It's, all, it's the Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians chapter seven, and this uh, this tells us why it's so important, why this is such an important thing. If you flip down to verse ten, it says, "Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death." Let me read it, read it one more time, just because I like this verse. It says, Godly sorrow, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. What this scripture tells us is that there is such a thing called godly sorrow. And it's necessary for us to feel this Godly sorrow so that we can repent and be led to salvation. Um, it was a, a story that reminds me, uh, which is kind of where this message came out of a few months ago. Uh, one of my, I had a friend who kind of did a really dumb thing, had a, a kind of almost a public blow up. And, uh, and I went home and I was praying for him. And I, as I was trying to think of what to pray, you know, when you go to pray for someone in this situation, being raised in church, the first thing you, that comes to mind is, you know, I want to pray, Lord, let him not feel condemnation because there's no condemnation. And so I'm just praying. And then the Holy Spirit kind of stopped me. And he's like, no, 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 no. There is no condemnation, but he needs to feel sorry for what he did. 
And so uh, I changed my prayer. Instead of praying that he wouldn't feel guilty for what he did, I prayed, Lord God, I ask that you help him to not sleep a wink until he realizes what a dumb thing he did and wakes up and apologizes and repents. And it, it kind of seemed like a mean prayer, but I knew that that's what, what, the, what my brother needed. So I prayed this prayer and then I went to bed. But it wasn't uh, too much later, a couple hours later, my phone starts blowing with, with text messages. Oh, man, I, I feel so bad for what I did. I'm sorry. Uh, will you forgive me? And, of course, I forgave him. The Holy Spirit forgave him. And he's doing great now. But if I'd have just prayed, you know, Lord, don't let him feel condemnation. Let him, let him everything's okay. Just, just let him think everything's all right. Then the next follow-up probably would have been a hundred times worse. But instead, he needed that godly sorrow that led him to repentance and brought him back to salvation. You know, because if you don't feel sorry or bad about what you've done, then you can never have true repentance. Um, that verse we were just reading, Second uh, Corinthians 7, uh, I want to flip back a, a couple verses on there, because I want to see the entire context of what he's talking about here, this godly sorrow. So you're already there, so just look up at verse uh, verse 8. He says, I'm not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. And what he's talking about, you'll notice that this is the book of 2 Corinthians, uh, the implication being that there was a 1 Corinthians. <laughs> and in, in his previous book, uh, he had... Um, he had written this church in the city of Corinth, and they were doing the same thing. They had they had some really, really wicked stuff going on, and they were just going around patting each other on the back. Oh, it's okay, you know what? We uh, we sang extra good in church today, so I don't care how you're living, how you're acting, because everything's going so great. Um, and so Paul wrote them this uh, really harsh letter. And ironically, this uh, this harsh letter... The thing that he got on them for the most was that, uh, and this would be hard a lot of times for modern Christians to understand, he condemned them because they were not judging this person who was acting so badly. Because if you see someone that's acting, uh, this person was acting so badly that you could probably go to any bar in town and they would have said, oh man, probably shouldn't do that. But the church was like, oh, it's fine, it's fine. He's, he comes and he comes to church every Sunday, so we don't want to make him feel bad. But, uh, so Paul wrote them this letter and told them, hey, you guys, what this guy's doing is wrong. And he's like, I've already, I've already judged him in the spirit, but now you guys need to judge him as well and throw him out of there. Don't even let him come to church anymore till he gets his act together. And so they did, but that's, uh, you would think that after that really harsh, mean letter, that maybe Paul would feel uh, bad for what he had said or something. And that's where this letter comes in here, Second uh, Corinthians. And instead of apologizing for what he said, he doubles down. And that's where he said, I'm not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was a little sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. But now I am glad that I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because that pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow that God wants His people to have. 
so you were not harmed in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. And so if he hadn't judged this person and helped them feel a little bad, it says eventually it would lead to spiritual death. And nobody wants that. I don't, I don't want spiritual death. No, no. Anybody, anybody, anybody wants spiritual death? Just kidding. Um, but that's why it was just so important. Um, unlike we were saying, some people think that when you're a Christian, you should not feel bad when you do something wrong, you know, because, you know, God has grace for us and everything. But that's not true. If you don't feel sorry when you do something wrong, then we are in danger of spiritual death. Now, another example I was thinking about is uh, I'm not a huge comic book fan, but I know that there are probably maybe a comic book fan or two in the, in the crowd or superheroes. And I was thinking uh, when I was a kid, though, when I would think of, of superheroes, I think that one of the really cool powers that they would maybe have is that they, they never feel pain, a superhero that never feels pain. I don't know, that just seemed like it'd be a cool power. You know, you can get punched right in the face and, and it doesn't matter. But uh, as I was studying for this message, I was looking it up and there actually, there's, uh, there is a condition where someone doesn't feel pain. And, and bear with me for a second. This condition, it's a disease actually, it's called congenital analgesia. Also known as a congenital insensitive to pain, or CIP. And it's a rare condition in which a person can actually not feel any pain. And even though it sounds cool, it's actually super dangerous because these people, having a little bit of pain is something that helps us to understand that maybe we shouldn't touch a stove or or stick our finger in our little brother's mouth. (laughs) And unfortunately, people with this disease, a lot of times they'll die in, even in childhood because they don't realize, you know, that, you know, they're sticking their hand on a stove or whatever. It doesn't hurt. So they'll burn their hand right off. So even in the natural, if you don't feel pain, it leads to death. We need to feel that certain amount of pain or guilt or whatever in order to grow physically and in order to grow spiritually. And that godly sorrow that we were just talking about, it leads us to my next thing I want to talk about. It leads us to repentance. A true godly sorrow leads us to repentance. Let's flip over to 1 John chapter 1. First John chapter 1. This is one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible. First John chapter one. I'm going to grab a napkin here because I nicked my finger on something and it's bleeding up here. <laughs> I don't know what I did. When I look down, there's blood on my notes. First <laughs> John chapter one. And let's look down at verse nine. And it says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. 
And the reason that we were wanting, and like we were just talking about, to fill out godly sorrow is so that it leads us to this repentance. Because it, it's not like he's going to, you know, when you do something wrong, he wants you to feel bad so he can beat you up over it. He just wants you to confess it, to repent, and then says he's faithful and just. He'll forgive you and cleanse you from all wickedness. And so I, uh, I looked up the definition of repent, of repentance, to see if it would kind of line up with what we were just talking about, godly sorrow, and it kind of does, actually. Uh, repentance, it says, it means to feel sorry or, you know, to feel bad for what you did. Self-reproachful or contrite for past conduct. Regret or to be conscience-stricken about a past action, attitude, etc., so in order to repent, you have to feel sorry for what you did. And when you are do repent and you feel sorry, that's when God's able to step in and forgive us and cleanse us from all wickedness, all unrighteousness, the King James says. Uh, it also says that the definition is to feel such sorrow for sin or fault as to be disposed to change one's life for the better, to be penitent. So you should feel so bad that you repent and change what you are doing so that you change for the better, so that you turn your life around. To feel sorry for or to feel regret. You have to have these things so you can repent. And we saw earlier that repentance is what leads us to salvation. An an example, of like we were just talking about earlier, as a normal person, pain would lead us to, to not touch a stove. If we're thinking of it that way, then another way to think of repenting is no longer doing what you were previously doing. So if you're touching the stove and you're going to repent from touching the stove, you would take your hand off the stove. You're no longer doing what you were previously doing. One of the most beautiful promises that God has given us is that verse we just read. We can see that when we're sorry and truly repent, he's promised us that he'll forgive us. He totally forgives us. And uh, let's look over at Isaiah 43. Uh, This is another cool thing that God promises us. It it talks about, you know, God doesn't just forget us, you know, forgive us, but then he's still keeping a list and track of all the things we did up in heaven. When God forgives us, he doesn't think about it ever again. There's so many cool scriptures in the Bible, but I don't know. This one's really cool, I think. Isaiah 43 and verse 25. He says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. So when God forgives us, He not only blots out our sins, erases them, he never thinks of them again. He's not keeping tally of them up in heaven, you know. Well, you know what, I would like to bless you, but you you did that last week. And I know you asked me to forgive you, but I'm still keeping track of it. That's strike one. Don't let me catch you again. (laughs) No. (laughs) When God forgives us, it's like a brand new inning. Your your pitch count is reset. You don't have a strike against you anymore because you've asked him to forgive you. And you no longer have that condemnation. So we have to have godly sorrow, which leads us to repentance. But 
there's one more thing we have to do if we really want to reach that point of no condemnation. And that's my third point tonight. We need to quit sinning. Quit sinning. One of the most powerful examples in the entire Bible of forgiveness is found uh, in John chapter 8. In fact, let's flip over there. John chapter 8. And this is a real familiar story. We've all heard it, but I want to go ahead and read it again because never anything wrong with reading the Word of God in church. I don't think. John chapter 8. And this is the story of when some Pharisees caught a woman, it says, in the act of adultery. Let's look, uh, we'll go ahead and uh, start at just the first one, the top of the chapter. It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again in the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, so he's right in the middle of his sermon, a bunch of religious people break through the back door. (laughs) The teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? And, you know, they were religious leaders. They knew they were right. The, bio, the, the old covenant did say that if you've caught someone in the act, you were supposed to stone them. But let's see what Jesus has to say. Uh, it says they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept, but they kept demanding an answer. So he finally, he stood up again. He said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned Throw the first stone. And this is a real popular passage. We say, hear that all the time. You know, let, let him without sin throw the first stone. And this is just so powerful that Jesus is moving to forgive her like this. It says, then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Did even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. And this is where most Christians leave off. They forget the very last and possibly the most important part of this entire verse. He didn't just end with, you know, there say everything is okay. You just go on. You do you. You get back to what you were doing. Don't worry about it anymore. He says, go and sin no more. And that was the most important thing. Because if she had gone right back to adultery like she was before, eventually those Pharisees are going to catch her again probably. And Jesus isn't going to be around there to bail them out. And the only reason they left is because he was there to stop them. She had to go and sin no more. Unfortunately, a lot of us, we tend to fall, you know, we realize God forgives us, but then we we go right back to what we were doing before. Um, 
And there's a, the, I found a verse in Proverbs, actually, that tells us what it's like when you fall for the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, let's flip over to, to Proverbs chapter 26. And I, I really love the book of Proverbs because he just, I don't know where he gets, well, he was the wisest man alive, so that's where he got, he got his analogies from God. So we can say that uh, this, this verse, Proverbs chapter 26, is what we look like to God when we keep falling for the same things over and over and over again. Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 11. It says, As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. And so we've all seen uh, dogs who uh, will throw up and then they just go and eat it all. They eat their vomit again and stuff. It's really nasty. Uh, when I was in a master's commission, uh, which is the, the Bible training that I had back in Denver, we used to do a skit where uh, they, uh, one of, a guy would open up a pack of gum and then he'd chew it for a while and put it down and then someone else would come along, pick up that gum and eat it. And then by the end, there's several people. Um, and I think that's, it was trying to illustrate the concept of how nasty it is when we keep picking up that same thing. I actually, uh, over the, over the Christmas season, I was watching a movie that kind of had the same sort of similar thing. Let's, uh, let's roll this clip number, that clip I have for you guys real quick to show us what we look like when we keep falling for the same thing over and over again. <laughs> And honestly, what this scripture is saying, uh, if we, uh, is after he got done in the trash can, he would have gone and eaten it. That's what we look like when we keep falling for the same things over and over again. That's why it's so important for us to quit sinning once we've received that forgiveness that Jesus has given us. If we do follow these steps, though, then there really is that life that, that we strive for, where there's no condemnation, where you don't have to feel guilty for anything, because if you do, if you do do something wrong, you know, the Holy Spirit gives you that slight conviction so you can repent, so that you can go on with your life and quit sinning. Now, one little side note is, you know, there is no spiritual condemnation, but if you do something really, really stupid, there still could be uh, repercussions in the natural. Um, so, for example, if someone was a, a criminal and they're serving time in prison, and they really do have that repentant heart, and they they repent and they accept Jesus and they and they turn from what they're doing, and it's not just that you know phony jailhouse religion sometimes we talk about, but they really truly repent, then in Jesus' eyes. They're no different, that person who's maybe even sitting on death row. They're no different from you or from me or even from sweet old Mrs. Pastor. <laughs> but 
Just because God sees them that way doesn't mean that they're going to get off scot-free. They may still have to finish their sentence in the natural because there's still going to be those repercussions for what you did. But in God's eyes, we're all the same once we've followed these steps. Uh, Romans 8.1, one one more time. And it says, So there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You may have that temporary godly sorrow, but as long as it leads you to repentance and leads you to quit sinning, there's no longer any condemnation. So quit playing stupid games and you'll no longer win stupid prizes or like Mrs. Pastor was talking to us on Wednesday, instead you'll start to live in God's blessing and God's blessings that He's promised us and He's got cover-to-cover blessings in there. So play stupid games, win stupid prizes. <laughs> Let's all stand up if we can. That's, that's all I've got for tonight. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.